And welcome back to another edition of WeatherWise for today. This is May 25th, Wednesday. I'm Chief Meteorologist Rich Wurzik. Uh, this is a podcast powered by the storm team here at ABC 47 WMDT. We're out of Salisbury, Maryland. For those of you listening, that is the Delmarva Peninsula. I know we have a lot of uh, listeners across the country and around the world. But uh, with me is meteorologist Sloan Haynes. How are you doing today? Doing great talking about a topic that I enjoy just because I find it interesting, not because I love hurricanes. I find the topic interesting, but we have an exciting topic. Uh, I used to like a breaking news type of topic for yes, us. I would say that that's, that's true. We've been sitting here as recording this, just waiting for this to come down mm -hmm. and you just all come across yep. the email. Yes, so we are going to be talking about um, hurricane outlook for this upcoming hurricane season. Hurricane season does start next Wednesday, June 1st. So very exciting time as we are prone to tropical weather here on Delmarva. If you remember a couple weeks ago, Ulysses and I did talk about the Colorado State Outlook, um, their above average forecast and what La Nina is and how that influenced their forecast. But this is the outlook we have been waiting for. This is actually NOAA's outlook, their uh, first official outlook, because NOAA will go back like Colorado State and update their forecast about halfway through the season. Right. And for those listening at home, that's exactly what, you know, we were kind of you know, waiting for the past week or so for this this official forecast mm -hmm. from NOAA to come down. And as I mentioned, we were just watching the e our emails here and, and Sloan saw that come across. And the first thing that you noted was, oh, this is similar to last year, mm -hmm. right? With uh, the 14 to 21 named storms that they're predicting. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. So this is similar to last year's forecast where their original forecast, their first one, where they were forecasting slightly above average to above average for their forecast. And that range for them this year is 14 to 21 named storms. That's similar to what we saw last year. And if you remember halfway through the season when they redid that outlook, I believe they did update their um, hurricane forecast for the 2022 or named storm forecast for the 2021 season to be uh, 21 to 26 storms. And we did run through the entire list last year. So they, this is why they're the experts in the field is because they know what they're looking at. They know what they're forecasting and they're also forecasting above average this year, similar to what Colorado State was forecasting. Right. And, and you bring up a good point, too, that they're the experts in this. You know, the field of meteorology, there's so many subsets mm. to the sciences you and I talk about a lot. And, you know, what we do forecasting for a very small area, very uh, uh, mesoscale, as they say in the weather world, very small scale mm. weather forecasting. What the researchers do at NOAA and, you know, any any climate prediction, uh, you know, scenario like this where you're trying to forecast out several months for large scale tropical systems over the ocean, you know, they look at an entirely different set of mm -hmm. data, a lot of different signals, and it's all married together, I guess, in what we do. But it's interesting how you, again, you point out that they really look at this. So when they update these forecasts, they get newer signals from a lot of the model data mm -hmm. later into the season after some storms have developed. And it's important for us not only just to take the forecast today, but, you know, follow it just like you and I would, where we mm -hmm. would update that seven day forecast going forward. They update the tropical forecast mm -hmm. going forward over the next few months. So that's something we're going to watch closely. But one thing that you pointed out to me, Sloan, before we started the podcast is this is going to be 
potentially the first season in some time that we haven't seen early development, right? Yes, I believe it's for the past seven years we've had a um, a named storm, one named storms before the official start, which is June 1st. So we haven't seen that yet. There was like the tease over the weekend, but that had a low development, so we didn't really see anything happen with that. But as we head throughout the next couple of days, they're not forecasting anything to really be happening. So this could be the first year that we don't see in the past seven years that we don't see named storms before the official start of the season, which could be really interesting for us because if we remember the past two seasons, they were record breaking seasons in terms of those storms forming earlier than normal, earlier than expected. And especially with 2020, this is what really you know, started that very active hurricane season was we had a named storm before the official start. We had a slowdown in June, but it really picked up later on in the summer. That's similar to what we saw last year. So just because we're not going to get this first named storm or we're not forecasting anything over the next couple of days doesn't mean that it won't be an active season. Just means that conditions right now aren't favorable, but come July, when we have those warmer sea surface temperatures, maybe we have some more moisture in the air you know, we could see it pick right back up. Right, and you bring up a good point too about, um, uh, you know, we could start late, but we can get active pretty mm -hmm. quickly after, you know, um, looking like the season's not gonna go in maybe one direction or another. But I, it just reminds me historically of Hurricane Andrew in 1992. Andrew being the first storm, the first named storm, the A storm, that was a late summer mm -hmm. hurricane that uh, was a major hurricane and ravaged Florida and then made a second landfall into Louisiana. and. There's a good example of a season that started off incredibly quiet and looked like it was going to be um, one of the one of the more quiet seasons on record. And it ended up one, one of the most uh, damaging and uh, costliest hurricanes mm -hmm. that this country has ever seen. So um, it, it it's one of these scenarios where I, I it's hard to find any good news in it. I mean, if you look at it in the short term, yeah, good news. You were getting set for Memorial Day weekend and getting the. Uh, so some of the beaches open here across the mm -hmm. East Coast and the Gulf, and it's always nice to not have to worry about tropical weather, at least at the start of the season. Yeah. But it kind of transitions us into what we deal with here in the Delmarva. Um, of course, we're susceptible to hurricane landfalls, and, and frankly, we're probably overdue for an actual hurricane that uh, we need to prepare for that's above maybe Category 1 status, something that has um, some higher sustained winds than we've seen in some time. But a lot of the times, I think people forget that there are other elements that come with hurricanes other than what you would see on TV with the high mm -hmm. winds and the and when the in, inside the eye walls that come through and you know knock everything over you have the threat for flooding and you have the threat for isolated tornadoes that pop up within the spiral bands and these storms make landfalls and or landfall and that's something that we've dealt with in the past couple of years mm -hmm. is more on the tornado aspect mm -hmm. of it especially Isa Iyas uh, in 2020. That was my second month here at the station. And I remember we did four hours of tornado coverage until we lost power here. And then we were on Facebook Live trying to wow. show what was happening. That was an active day. Am I happy that we haven't seen anything like that in a while? Yes. And would I be happy not to see that again? <laughs> yes. But 
Rich is right. This is a threat when it comes to hurricane season. And in addition just to those threats, something we see a lot here, especially when we're all soaking up the sun in Ocean City and it's a nice day to be outside. It's hot. It's humid. We want to cool down, but the rift current risk is high. Just because a storm isn't near us, it could be hundreds of miles away. It's still going to influence our weather here. It's going to increase that rip current risk, cause high surf. So that's just something to think about as we head throughout the summer months. We saw that with Teddy last year, and we've seen that with other coastal or really what Ulysses likes to call those fish storms that stay off in the Atlantic. They still will influence our weather. So just because we're not seeing them make landfall here, we're not seeing the remnants move through Delmarva, that doesn't mean they're not going to impact us because they can still be very dangerous, especially to swimmers out there enjoying some sun this summer. Right, very potent, um, any storm that develops, and it doesn't have to be a direct impact. It can be nearby, it can be a smaller in storm. I like that term that Ulysses uses, the fish storms. Mm -hmm. it's, that's a good uh, term to use. And it also brings up the point too that we, we can get these forecasts from NOAA, from CSU, and they could talk about above average storms, and we could end up with seeing um, over 20 storms develop, but it, you know, I hate to use the word luck, but it does really come down to that. You can have a bunch of storms develop in the Gulf and the Atlantic, but you know, where they make landfall or if they make landfall mm -hmm. really determines the, the ultimate risk mm -hmm. to um, life and property. And I, I think that it's always important to remember we can have, and again, going back to the Andrew example, you can have a lower end season and you just need that one hurricane that mm -hmm. develops into uh, I, you know, major status on the on the scale and and ends up, you know, from a scale standpoint, a large scale um, historic landfall. Mm -hmm. And now it just takes one storm. So now I want to transition more to you because we talked about this Sloan. you uh, and you've probably shared this before. But for any of our new listeners out there that uh, tropics or tropical meteorology is is kind of your um, favorite part of meteorology, right? It is. So I moved around a lot growing up, uh, pretty much along the East Coast, stayed there along the East Coast, but went all the way from the Mid-Atlantic down to Florida. And I lived in Florida for about seven years. Nothing tropical really happened while I was there. We had Faye back then. I think it was like 2006 was the last time we had Faye. And Faye didn't really impact St. Augustine, Florida. It brought a few water spouts on the St. John's where I was living. Didn't really see anything. Flash forward to my freshman year of high school, I moved back up to New Jersey and we're getting closed down for weeks for school because of Superstorm Sandy. And it was just this huge like why question. I was always the kid in class who questioned everything. And my mom could see the wheels turning in my head as I'm watching these broadcast meteorologists on air, like Hurricane Schwartz from Philadelphia, grew up watching him. And I'm watching him do this wall-to-wall -wall coverage. And I was like, like screaming at the TV, why now? I lived in a state known for tropical weather. And now here I am in New Jersey, which I don't really think we're known for any type of weather in New right. Jersey. And I'm like, and now I get my hurricane. It's not just any hurricane, it's Hurricane Sandy. And my family and I, we were without power for, I want to say two weeks. I swam growing up. So I used to go to swim practice in the morning then because the Y still had power. Go there and get ready for school, then go to school in the morning because we didn't have power still. Um, and then like two days after Sandy moved through, we had snow. And to me, it was just this like hands in the All air. Over the place. Like it's like if I could pick up a stack of papers and just throw it in the air and walk away, I would have. Because <laughs> like, what is happening? Now we don't have heat, we don't have power. So that really just sparked like the why question. 
I also, again, back to the swimming track, thunderstorms on radar because I always wanted to know if I could get out of swim practice that night or not. So I always really like, you know, that summertime weather, that tropical weather that I grew up with in Florida and then eventually saw more of in New Jersey. And I was fortunate enough to go to Florida State where each year I was there, we were closed until my senior year, so 2019. But every year I was there, we had a tropical system move through the area. My sophomore year was Michael. So that was, um, or my junior rather, was Hurricane Michael that moved through the area. And that was very devastating to see what it did to um, the Big Bend region and to the panhandle of Florida. But my first year was Hermine, which really didn't do any damage, but the dorms lost power. So you have all the freshmen who are out of state who don't have anywhere to drive to. We're all living in the basketball stadium for a week during this. Oh, so, wow. Tropical weather, I've always been interested in it. I've been impacted right. by it. Um, I know you spent some time in the Gulf, too. You were at Mississippi, and you dealt with quite a bit of tropical weather there. Well, I had uh, kind of, you know, I had the same experience as you growing up. I, I was getting into the weather that first that I, I knew was going to get me out of school. So, for mm -hmm. me, living in the D.C. area, it was snow because we shut down for anything. And mm -hmm. we'd... Growing up, we didn't have too much impact from tropical weather. It wasn't until I moved to Mississippi to take my first job in TV after I graduated college. Um, and I went to college in Pittsburgh, so we didn't have tropical <laughs> weather. I mean, we've had some remnant systems, but didn't really have any direct, obviously, tropical weather there. So it was my first jump into tropical meteorology was outside of the classroom was in Mississippi. And I happened to move down there um, in within two seasons, 2004, 2005, two of the most active seasons on record. And even for that Gulf area, especially my mm -hmm. first um, month or so on air in 2004, the, la the later part of the summer, um, Hurricane Ivan affected Alabama next door to us in Mississippi. And I got, I got a chance to see some of that in action, uh, both on TV and on doing some storm chasing. But the storm that really sticks in my mind is Hurricane Katrina uh, the following summer. And where I was at in Mississippi, uh, the Katrina tracked right through Columbus. It was still a Category 1 storm at that point. But obviously making landfall mm. near New Orleans uh, is a much stronger storm, but it was the impact afterward, mm. the, the destruction along the coast and the flooding and, the, and being without power. And, and a, lot of the, um, a lot of the things you don't think about after a storm goes mm. through that I think impacted people there even more, the, the cleanup, how long it took to even get to some of these places that were yeah. without power. Um, so that really shaped, uh, mm. it helped to shape my view of tropical weather much differently obviously living through yeah. it and so you know from there i i definitely have a a newfound um you know more than a respect but just kind of a heightened awareness to how important it is to track these storms like we're doing today mm. with this podcast getting set for the season mm. begin that process before they even develop and yeah. that kind of leads us into early preparation yep so the best time to prepare is now making that emergency plan, knowing evacuation areas. We have the signs here throughout Delmarva that let you know that. But the best thing to do is talk to your um, local emergency management office. We've had Dorchester County on air here at the station stressing the importance because Dorchester County is very prone to coastal flooding as well. And that's another concern we have with um, tropical systems moving through the area. So just knowing your plan, that's what you really need to do to prepare now. We have previous podcasts dedicated to hurricane preparedness, and I'm sure we will do another one to refresh everybody's memory um, as we head throughout this upcoming hurricane season. But I just wanted to fully mention, we have a few more minutes um, 
the hurricane outlook, their official outlook, and how it compares to the averages. So on average, we have 14 named storms, seven of those becoming hurricanes, and three of those becoming major storms. So what NOAA is actually forecasting is 14 to 21 named storms, six to 10 of those becoming hurricanes, and three to six of those becoming major hurricanes. Remember, a major hurricane is a category three or above. Now, this reflects last year's um, totals, actually, because in 2021, we had 21 named storms, seven hurricanes, and four major hurricanes. So, this forecast is similar to what we saw last year and what they had originally forecasted. So this is what we're keeping our eyes out for is another active season. But going back to what Rich said is preparing now is the right thing to do. Knowing your plan, get in contact with your local emergency management office. If you're told to evacuate, especially on the coastline or even along the bay, do it. Don't stick around. Um, making sure that you're preparing your house and making sure the family knows. Kids need to know the plan too. and um, what's going to happen to all this. Yeah, that's very good points to bring up. And, and I'm sure that we'll make, mm -hmm. make it a point to later as we go into the season, regardless of how active or how you know, inactive it is, we're, we're going to reiterate the preparation mm -hmm. because it's good to just drive that point home, literally. Mm -hmm. And I, I think a good example is a few weeks ago, we had that coastal storm that mm -hmm. caused all that beach erosion on the Delaware beaches here in Delmarva. And I, I point that out because you saw what happened with that storm and the damage it created along the coastline there. So you see that and you see how easy it is for a prolonged storm system to do that. When you deal with a stronger tropical storm or a hurricane coming through, you have to imagine how much worse it could mm -hmm. be. So it's a reminder, I think, what we just went through here uh, locally mm -hmm. with what's to come. Yep. Remember, uh, Rich said it earlier, but it only takes one storm to um, make a difference in your community. So I think this is everything we wanted to talk about on yeah. this edition of Weatherwise. And I was looking at the names real quick. There is a Hurricane Richard or Richard on the name. There we go. Yeah, I don't see a Sloan or Ulysses. <laughs> no, year, they don't so. do that. They're not no. fun like that. <laughs> no, no. I guess this was my welcome. Hopefully we don't get to the R name storms. Yeah. And, and of course, hopefully any storms that develop won't cause any problems. But uh, that's what we're here for mm -hmm. is when they do develop, we track them and we talk about them. And uh, both here for the Delmarva area and for uh, the rest of the United States. So, okay, that'll do it for us for another edition of WeatherWise. I want to thank you for listening. Powered by the Storm Team here at 47 ABC WMBT. We'll see you next time.